0: Welcome
1: to episode 49 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today is a very special day because I get to welcome back Caleb's Mom. Caleb's Mom was on episode 19 back in January of this year. Caleb's Mom and I have talked and texted quite a few times since that episode in January and really feel like we've become good friends. That's why a few months ago she asked if she could be on again on this one-year anniversary to just talk about her journey and to let other people know what she is working on now with her son, Caleb. I also want to welcome any new listeners that we might have. Last week, I was asked by the Love What Matters website to submit an article with Andy's story and our story of grief over the past two years. That story was just published on the Love What Matters website. There are links also on my Facebook page if you would like to read that. I do thank them so much for the opportunity of getting to share Andy with so many people across the nation and the world. I also want to say that I am currently planning my fall episodes. So if you would like to be on the show and share your story, please email me at com. If you have ideas on something I should talk about with Gwen or know someone who would be a fantastic guest, let me know that too. I really feel like I'm here to share as many stories as I can and help as many people with their healing process that I possibly can. So, thank you again for listening, and I really know that you all enjoy hearing from Caleb's mom again. Today, I am welcoming my good friend. I can, I feel like I can definitely call you that now, Chrissy, yes. after living through this with you for the last several months. But I, again, talking with my good friend, Chrissy, who was on earlier in the year in January, right? Yes. In January? Yeah. And January marked just a few months after her son Caleb's death. And now we just passed the year mark. And I just passed the two year mark and it just seemed like a good time to reconnect and to talk about how things were going and just about how those anniversaries kind of went for us. So welcome back to the show, Chrissy. And why don't you start out by just giving a little bit of a synopsis of your of who your son Caleb was and just so some of our newer audience members who might not have heard your first episode which by the way is still my um, most downloaded episode of all of them aside from the very very first one yours is the most popular so most Mm -hmm. people probably do know your story but in case you don't just give me a little bit of a synopsis
2: sure I will and thanks again for having me back on it's been a difficult year for sure i came to know you because I Googled a podcast for a grieving mom who just lost a child and your name popped up and I listened to your first episode and that's how I found out about you. And ever since then, I've listened every week, just holding on with hope that I can survive this tragedy of losing my son. On August 12th, 2019, Caleb was having a normal day in his 17 year old life. He went to school and it was the third day of his senior year. And that evening he was home alone and found himself in a moment of weakness. And he completed an action to end his life and died by suicide, tragically. And ever since then, I've been trying to figure out what happened. And Caleb was a very happy, very loving, very, very life out loud kind of kid. He had a great personality. He lit up a room. He had many, many, many friends. He served the community. He worked. He was happy. He was loving his life. He had many goals and dreams and was just a wonderful kid all around. And so obviously, instantly, nothing made sense. And Still, here I am, you know, today, 372 days, and it still doesn't make sense.
1: I remember you saying early on that the police and other people thought, well, you certainly have missed something, right? right. There were, there would have been signs. There were signs. Yeah. Really, truly, honestly, there just weren't. <laughs> and they even came to that conclusion that this was just a spontaneous spur-of-the-moment kind of decision and you know teenagers make stupid decisions they do Mm -hmm. that all the time it's just that this one he couldn't live to regret exactly like most teenagers live to regret those stupid choices they make Mm -hmm. Caleb just didn't get that opportunity
2: right he he just was feeling overwhelmed and was just led into a place where he was no longer thinking logically and Mm -hmm. Could not see the finality of a choice that he was about to make that that's exactly right. There was no evidence found of any any text messages, anything on his phone and emails or any of his social media apps. They combed through his phone and didn't find anything and he never gave us any indications there was no indicators of depression of of um, suicidal thoughts or he you know. Anything he'd left behind, there was nothing. Um, and so we have just had to kind of lay that down and, and understand that even if somebody knocked on my door tonight and said, I know why Caleb died, it wouldn't change anything. Wow. It, it wouldn't bring him home. He wouldn't be with me. It wouldn't wipe my tears away. I would still be crying. I would still be heartbroken. I would still be living this tragedy. And mm-hmm. so I've just had to kind of lay it down with God and just leave it there with him that it, it's, a, it's a tragic, it's unfortunate, it was very impulsive, it was not thought through, it was just a very quick action that he couldn't take back. And, and mm-hmm. he would have never, ever done this to hurt, he would have never chosen to do something if he knew it was going to hurt me or his dad or his sisters or his friends, his classmates, his teachers. I mean, he left just a a wake of broken hearts. And the ripple effect has been just tragic in a word.
1: And you had said, had he even thought for just a second, just a second of thought, it would have changed everything. It would have
2: changed everything.
1: Yeah, and that is what is so hard about all of our situations when it's just somebody making a split second decision because i know you certainly struggled with why and what's he going through and say you had to just let that go and i on a different level had that same kind of thing when you know our car was rear-ended by a woman who was driving you know, probably 40 or 50 mile an hour faster than everyone else on the road. Right. Mm -hmm. So and she was definitely distracted. And I will never know what she was doing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I will never know what distracted her and made her not pay attention for that amount of time. And that did kind of eat at me for a long time right I wanted to know what happened what was going through her mind what was more important at that moment but just as you said you it's not going to change anything Uh it wouldn't change to know exactly what she was doing Andy would still be dead so Uh it doesn't matter but it is something that you have to like really go through a process to let go of
2: yeah um, really wanting the why I'm yeah. not, I'm not totally there. You know, right. I'm still working on that. It's, it's a struggle, but I'm farther along than I was the last time we talked. I'm farther along than I was even two months ago. So it's, it's definitely a, a process and a struggle that I'm still, you know, trying to work through. Also the guilt that I feel for myself, just being the last person to have seen him alive and talk to him. We had an interaction where you know he he was in trouble i had caught him with a an e-cigarette and he you know was ashamed that i had found that found him with it and we had a interaction and of course he uh, he was in trouble he was going to be punished and we were going to talk about it later and i just assumed you know he'd be home when i got home and we'd talk about this and work it out like we always did with things that you know teenagers do and that he had done in the past And I didn't get that chance to talk about it. And so I am dealing with, you know, a lot of guilt. Some days it's not so heavy, some days it is really heavy. And yesterday was one of those where I just, I blame myself for having talked to him, having had had that conversation with him right before he died, you know, was did something I say lead him to that place, you know? If I had just left when I initially said I was leaving, but I had turned around and then I had, you know, walked past him and he caught my eye and, and I just, it's been really difficult for me to let that go. Uh, but I also at the same time can say that if I had to redo that conversation over again, because I've replayed it over a thousand times, I can't mm-hmm. say that I would say anything differently because I know right. I didn't say anything terrible. I didn't say anything wrong. I wasn't overly upset. You know, he wasn't overly upset. It was just,
1: you know. And I I remember you
2: telling me that you said you loved him. I did. You know, I, I mean, that's the last thing you said to him. But I've also had guilt with that too, because, you know, I felt a very strong prompting from God, you know, like almost like I turned and I hit a wall and I couldn't go any further. And I just felt him say, tell him you love him right now. Do not leave without saying I love you like why didn't that scare me you know why didn't that be like well something's wrong don't leave you know i've thought about that too and um ultimately there's just this vicious cycle of questioning and just this vicious cycle of guilt that i have to constantly keep laying down Mm -hmm. or i'll just get lost in the in the rabbit hole of it all it's getting a little
1: better with time but it's still definitely very hard you are right that you have to lay those things down again and again and again. I felt like I I did that with anger so much. I was so angry. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna let go of this anger now. It's poison to me, Mm -hmm. right? It's poisoning me. And it's making me not the person that I want to be. So I need to let it go. But then after a little while, you just pick it right back up Mm -hmm. again and suddenly it's there again and you grab it so I feel like all those negative emotions end up doing that right they just yeah you just yeah those negative thoughts you Mm -hmm. end up pulling them back and pulling them back but as long as you keep letting them go and keep working on letting them go that really is progress
2: yeah it is you know and I can look back and see when about around month I think seven, eight is when I was kind of able to start doing a little bit of that is when I realized that if I had an answer, it wouldn't change anything. And I think coming to terms with that is when I was able to kind of start being able to lay some of that down and also realize that I can't hold on to him. You know, it's like, I want to stay with him. I want to stay with him in the hug that he gave me on Sunday, August 11th. I want to stay right there. And I just, I don't want to move, but life is pulling me forward. And my girls are, you know, I want to go on with them, but I want to stay with him in that hug. And it's just, it's a constant pull of back and forth and just learning how to live in in grief and really learn, you know, how to grieve healthy and in different ways that are working for me, different coping mechanisms that I've found um, that are helpful, but
1: Yeah, I think that grief just becomes your companion, Mm -hmm. right? And grief will be our companion forever. We will never stop grieving our children. I I think back to a lot of people saying, well, like there's a time to grieve. And then you let go of that time and you get over that time. And like, that's not really going to happen. Grief is my companion. Mm -hmm. I just need to be in a better relationship with that companion, right? And learn how to live with it every day and not have it keep me in a dark place.
2: Right. I'm, I'm learning how to not let it consume me, which it so easily can. Like Mm -hmm. I could let it suffocate me very quickly. Um, but I I liked what Tamsin and Jacques' mom said when she said, grief is love. Yeah. You can't let go of grief because it's love. And Mm -hmm. that to me was spoke to me. Grief is always going to be with me because it's expression of my love for Caleb mm-hmm. and yeah, that was a profound thing that my therapist said to me
1: fairly early on when I started seeing her because I was very scared I, I wanted to keep a hold of honestly the sadness and the guilt and the anger I kept a hold of it because I felt like my grief is what held me to Andy and if I let go of any mm-hmm. part of that grief then I would be letting go of him somehow mm-hmm and she said to me, your grief is not what holds you to Andy. Your love is what holds you to Andy. Mm-hmm. And I had to like tell myself that all the time that it was okay to let go of some of those negative things that had to do with my grief because the sadness, the overwhelming sadness and never wanting to laugh and all of those things they don't get me closer to andy Mm -mm. not laughing does not get me closer to andy i miss his laugh Mm -hmm. terribly right yeah i do Mm -hmm. but the love that's what keeps me close
2: yeah and when another mom said if it has to be this way yes if it has to be this way well then i'm gonna go out and enjoy myself it has to be this way it's not gonna change This is unfortunately my new reality. So what's next? I'm going to do my best to enjoy life with my girls and with my husband and my family and my friends because ultimately I know that's what Caleb would want. And Mm -hmm. he wouldn't want me destroyed by this because I know that he did not intend to hurt me. That was not his intention. But it's hard because there are some days I just want to sit in the corner of my couch is my grieving place and I just want to cry and I just want to sit there and I just want to be sad and I just want to feel it and I just want to, I'll wrap myself up in his in his blankets and his sheets and I want to smell his dirty clothes and I want to look through pictures and I want to look at what his room used to look like and, and look at his shoes and look at his wallet and just, you know, I want to watch videos on his iCloud and I want to hear his laugh and I just, there are days where I just want to sit in that and just be there. Mm-hmm. But I don't stay there daily anymore, which is... Mm-hmm progress. Yeah, that is progress. And it's taken a lot of work for me, a lot of grief work for me to get there. And so we have since moved. I feel like when we moved, it was very, very hard. I went to Caleb's room every day and I laid in his bed and I just loved being in his space because I felt near to him in there. Mm -hmm. When we moved, it was hard to let go of that room, but I felt him tell me one day when I was just laying in there crying and I felt him say to me, Mama, this stuff is not me. I'm in your heart. And so that's what I needed to kind of like pack it up and be able to move. And when we moved, a different level of healing kind of took place because I was removed from being re-traumatized every day. You know, re-traumatized every time I looked at the bathroom, every time I looked in my bedroom, every time I drove down my street. So when I removed myself from that, it got better. Yeah.
1: Those were just a lot of triggers, really big triggers for you. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. It was, it was not good. No, no.
1: So I think that was, I know it was a really hard decision, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure ultimately was the right choice for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was.
1: So how was the week for you? What did you do to honor Caleb?
2: Uh, So last week, Wednesday was the anniversary. And you had told me and other people had heard and read that it was best to have a plan for the day. So I had a couple friends of mine help me make that plan. And my sister came to town and we got up that morning and had coffee. That's kind of my constant. Coffee is my constant. I always have that to look forward to. And so we we woke up, we had coffee and we just kind of sat around a little bit and got motivated to go for a walk. So quite a few of us went for a walk at a local Greenway and we went to eat at one of his favorite places that he loved to eat called the cookout. It's, I don't know if they have it where you are, but it's just this really greasy fast food place that's super cheap and Caleb loved it because it was so cheap like you can get so much food for four dollars and he just could not wrap his head around getting all that food for you know so cheap and so (laughs) he I ate there once and it was because he kind of forced me to go he's like mom you have to see this place you have to check it out And so he took me and he was just so excited for me to order stuff. And really, it's not food that I really enjoy eating, but he was so excited. and He even paid for it. So that's where we ate that day. We went and got some greasy, cheap cookout food and came home and ate it and sat around kind of talking and crying and reminiscing about the past year a little bit. And then we went to a private memorial service at our church. There was quite a few people there. We sang the song, Raise a Hallelujah, because that was kind of the last song that he and I had talked about. He had gone to camp that summer, and they sang that song a lot, and he really liked it and kind of had a testimony along with it. And so we sang that song. I was sitting as they started to play it, and I just just felt Caleb nudge, Mama, stand up and sing. Just stand up and sing, and so I did, and i I stood up, and I you know I cried, and I was shaking, and I was singing, and I was really just thinking on this past year about how horrible and tragic it 's been, but yet how good God has been, how He has comforted, and how the verse God comforts those who mourn. I know what that means; mm-hmm. I literally can feel that and see that all around me in different ways i 'm just thankful for that and for all that he's done this past year to comfort us and we had a couple people share our pastor shared a little bit and then his youth pastor shared some and we had people bring letters if they wanted to write him a letter and they put it in we put it in a box and you know they'll never be read and they'll just be in the box and but it was just a place where people could write they could write him and they could say what they wanted to say and then they could give it away And so um, we did that. And then we had a private gathering at the cemetery where we stood and talked and kind of shared about each of our journey through the past year and our testimony and talked about that day and kind of talked about how we found out or how they found out and just how we maneuvered our way through those first days and weeks. So the anticipation was definitely worse than the day. And I kind of yeah. knew, knew that it was going to be that way. But yesterday, Monday the 17th, was an even harder day because that was one year since his funeral service. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, one year ago today, we put our son's body in the ground. Yeah. And I just couldn't get away from that thought. And I couldn't get away from the thought of how proud I was of him that day, of everybody that showed up, turned out, and told me what he meant to them. And how he touched their life, and how he impacted their life, and how they'll never be the same because of him, and how they're carrying on his legacy and how much they miss him, and so it's hard it's it's literally a mixture of joy and sorrow, equal equal it's just it's kind of hard to explain, but I'm so very, very proud of him for who he was and the legacy that he left behind, but i'm just I'm so. I'm in such sorrow that he's no longer here with me and I cannot share this life with him anymore. I miss sharing life with him. I miss watching him live and laugh and love and serve and and be a friend and be a brother and be a son. And it's really hard going on without him, but I have to for him and for myself.
1: Yeah, for me, these past Two and a half weeks have been really hard, to. I have found myself going back in time and trying to remember exactly what happened two years ago. This is the day he went to his first day of high school orientation. Mm-hmm. This is the day he made the soccer team. This is the day. And I found myself doing that all the way through. So uh-huh. the, the anxiety has been so high. And yeah. so I'm with you. So two years ago today... Was our visitation. Mm -hmm. And two years ago, tomorrow is the funeral. So it has been two years of me having no memories, no new memories Uh of my son. Yeah. And so that's why for us, what I did this year was I just put out on Facebook that I wanted people who knew Andy to just share one memory. Mm-hmm. that they had of him, so that I could maybe learn one or two new things that yeah. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that was really comforting to me. So we lit off a Chinese lantern, and well, we lit up four to put off over the lake, and three of them fell in the lake. Oh, but no. <laughs> One actually went up, but before that, I read all of the memories that people had shared. And Mm -hmm. we cried a ton, our family, but Mm -hmm. it was overall healing just to hear how he
2: impacted people. Mm -hmm. and It is very healing to hear a grown man stand up and share what Caleb did in his life and how he'll never be the same because he knew him. And that's what every mom's, dream is for their child, that they will change lives and and leave a legacy and make an impact. So we are continuing that with our nonprofit that we've actually started.
1: Yeah. I want you to tell us about that. Yeah.
2: Yes. It's called the Caleb Cares Project. And it is a nonprofit in our community here to benefit children and youth in programs that Caleb was a part of. And so our first fundraiser was taking donations for new life jackets for the city pools because Caleb was a lifeguard and he loved his job. And I just thought, hey, I actually saw their life jackets and those need some updating, I think. So we bought new life jackets for the pools and they will come with a logo that I had created for him. Because he was very unique and one of a kind. And so I just, I had his logo. A graphic designer drew it for me. She took my vision and she made it perfect. And so the life jackets will have his logo on there. And we will be giving a plaque to explain what the jackets are for. And what the logo means. And who Caleb is. It's my hope that when someone hears the Caleb Cares Project, they Google it. And they go to my website is going to be a journey for com, and they'll be able to read about our family and about me and about caleb and they will be able to learn about the caleb cares project and how he is still living he is still going and doing and his heart is still helping and loving others through us and through everyone who knew him who wants to be a part of our project maybe a mom will go and maybe she'll read it and maybe she'll talk to her kids about suicide maybe she will tell them they will open up that dialogue they will open up that conversation and they will talk about it and just Mm -hmm. maybe it might save someone's life Mm-hmm. You know, I had a mom tell me yesterday that since she's known me, she now openly talks to her children regularly about how they're feeling and what to do when they feel that way and what not to do and healthy ways to cope with it. And to me, that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm very vocal about my experience, about what happened to us, about what Caleb, who he was and what he did. And what we believe happened in that house when we weren't there, we believe that the enemy manipulated him into believing that he was nothing but a burden and his circumstances were just much too difficult for him to manage on his own and led him into that place where he just no longer could think logically. Yeah,
1: because he did love you deeply. And for that split second, he thought he was making the best choice for you all. I mean, that's what he thought, which was just so horrible to know.
2: Very tragic to think that he thought that he would be relieving a burden from me. But if he only knew what the aftermath is, what I want to save mothers from is this aftermath that I am living because of a one second decision that I know he did not intend to make.
1: Right. Well, I just think it's such a great thing for you to do with him. Yes. Because that's, that's what I feel like I'm doing this podcast. Right. I honestly feel like I'm doing it with Andy. It's like we yeah. are doing it together. I definitely feel that And this is something you can do yeah. with Caleb. You and guys are doing it together. And it's yeah. just such a great way to feel like you're keeping your son alive.
2: Yes, definitely. The things that he was involved in in town, like... The little league that he played in for several years, we want to join up with that and help that out and the soccer association where he was a referee and help out there with those kids and he volunteered weekly at a low income government housing area and he had best buddies over there that still ask where he is because he just loved on them and he went to visit them every week played with them and, and just, just loved them and showed them what true love was. And we plan to do a lot of things over there in that area. And and, and it does. When, when I am doing things like that and when I'm working on my project or my website, I feel like I am spending time with him.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
2: doing something that he would do if he were here. He yeah. would be doing exactly what I'm doing if he were here. And so I'm continuing that for him. And I made a promise to him in the first few weeks after losing him that I would honor him by healing because I know that that's what he would want from me is to heal and to live for his sisters and his dad and his friends. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like everything I do is to honor him and to bring awareness to – I never thought I needed to talk to my son about this because he wasn't that kind of a kid that stigma I feel like I don't know but if I had I'll never know because I didn't but if I had maybe it could have changed everything well I think what's so
1: key about your story is the fact that it was so out of the blue Mm -hmm. and uncharacteristic of him yeah I just want everyone to know and so do you that it really can happen to anyone And you can't feel like you are immune to this at all. Right. Right. So that is just really the take home point here for Mm -hmm. everyone. And that is why you just talk about it. And yes. And I talk to kids who have struggles with anxiety and depression and other things. And it's always been drilled into me. Always ask them if they have had thoughts of hurting themselves Uh or hurting someone else. And because you will not ever put the idea in their head, uh-huh. you know, when you ask, when you talk right. about it. So not talking about it doesn't mean that it will go away. Right. And talking about it does not mean it will happen. Uh-huh. Talking about it will make it less likely to happen. Uh-huh. So I think that's important for everyone to kind of know and realize. Yes,
2: definitely. I mean, just because your son or your daughter is is happy and succeeding and, and doing well and is not isolated and is involved in the community and involved in school doesn't mean that this could never happen to you. I'm that one person who I never thought this, I never thought this could ever happen to me. This is not something I, I ever thought I'd be talking about losing my child and in this way. And so I feel like I've just been given this voice and, and I just cannot keep it to myself. I have to be vocal about my experience and hope and pray that it's being used for good. I Mm -hmm. heard on your podcast and I shared on social media that what happened to Caleb is very, very, very bad and it will always be bad, but what is being done afterwards and the good that is coming from Mm -hmm. it is over here and that will always be good and they never have to go together. And for such a long time, I was trying to make it fit. I was trying to make it work. And I was trying to, you know, all things work together for good. But I've come to realize what that verse really means. This is very bad. God thinks that the way Caleb died is bad. He is the God of life and love. And he is just as sorrowed over Caleb's death as I am. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean that good cannot come out of it. Yes. And already I've seen a lot of good come out of it. And so that I'm grateful for those things and I hold on to those. And those are things that give me hope and encourage me to keep going and to keep sharing and to, to build my website and to start a nonprofit to continue this sharing, this voice and hopefully mm-hmm. save lives. Well, and I always am thinking I want good things to
1: happen in spite of the horribleness that happened. mm uh-huh. Good things can happen. So I don't want to put it like, well, because Andy died, all this good stuff can happen. No, right. it's in spite of the fact that Andy died. In spite right. of the fact that Caleb died, mm-hmm. all of these good things can happen. And yeah. that's It's an important distinction in my head. And that's why when I have people say, well, everything happens for a reason, Mm-mm. that's really hard to take that. I yeah. don't like that. I hate that saying. Mm-hmm. Because granted very wonderful things can come out of this afterwards and i don't argue that at all and good things have come from andy's death but it doesn't mean it was good never doesn't mean it was good no it was never good
2: no nope. and god doesn't think it's good either and so it took me a while to really kind of realize that at first i was like where god where were you yeah where were you why didn't you stop this why didn't you protect him He loved you. He served you. He was one of your children. How could you let this happen? And I just, through my grief work, I came to understand and realize that God was there. And that he he thinks it's just as bad as I do. And he is life, not death.
1: And the image that I have to have in my head is not... That God was watching that car accident happen. Right. Yep. You know, watching her speed, just Mm -hmm. not doing anything, not caring. I can't have that image in my head. What I have to have is I have to have the image of God looking down and God saying, oh, no, it's happening. Yeah. It's going to happen. And then he watched it happen. And then he started to cry. Yeah. And he took Andy in his arms. Mm -hmm. But he cried for me. Yeah. He cried for my family. Yeah. He cried for your family. Mm-hmm. And I have to picture in my mind, God weeping beside me mm-hmm. because anything else, yeah. anything else, it makes him indifferent at best, right? Mm-hmm. At best, it's indifferent. Yeah. And at worst, it's vindictive and mean. Mm-hmm. Right. To have taken your child from you. Mm-hmm. But if you picture your God weeping with you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I
2: can still have faith, Mm -hmm. honestly. I have to do that, too. I have to say that I became a Christian at the age of 20. But when I was 40, I had a choice to make. I've been talking about faith and living faithfully for 20 years. That has to be real now. Am I going to practice what I've been talking about or am I going to run away? And I had a choice. And I ran towards God. And I put my faith in Him, and I'm leaning on Him to help me through this. And I know that I couldn't do it otherwise. Mm -hmm. So there's a song that a friend had sent me, and I wanted to share a few verses from that. It is called, Remind Me You're Here, and it's by Jason Gray. None of my pain has ever caught you by surprise. Still, it's hard to trust you when I'm lost in the wondering why. But I'll trade every question just to lay down and rest in your heart, and I'll reach for your hand, though you led me here into the dark. And I won't ask you for reasons, because a reason can't wipe away tears. No, I don't need all the answers. Just be here beside me. Father, remind me you're here. If it's random or providence, neither are a comfort to me. Are you cruel if you planned it, or weak if you allowed it to be? half of me still believe in, the other half is angry and confused. Oh, but all of me is desperate and longing to be held by you.
1: That is really beautiful, isn't it?
2: Yes. My friend's daughter and actually a friend of Caleb's and she sent that to me. She's been struggling and dealing with some anger and she had heard that song and she sent it to me with her testimony of it. And so I, I listened to it a lot because <laughs> um, it kind of draws me back to that place where I'm Okay, I can do this and get out of that loop of questioning and wondering and anger. So and trust
1: is a really big issue. Yes, isn't it? Yes, yes I feel like that's one of the biggest struggles I had and still have is that trust. You yes, you just don't. Yeah, when something really bad happens like this, it's just hard to trust. It's hard to just yes. let
2: yourself open again. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. very hard it is very hard to put yourself in that place to be vulnerable yes but
1: you want to try to protect yourself protect the rest of your kids protect everything Mm -hmm. but you can't no but that is a huge struggle for me and I still am early on in my grief too so yes yes I am too Mm mm-hmm Mm -hmm. so I think it's okay that we struggle with that but I like that in that song because it just really talks about all of the emotions that you are going through I mean that's that's truly someone that's experienced loss
2: yes and the big thing I have to remember is that God understands all of the emotions he understands all of the ups and downs and the, the deep grief that we experience and everything that comes along with it and so for me I have to remember that he can handle it (laughs) Mm -hmm. he can handle Mm -hmm. all of the range of my emotions
1: yeah the anger the lack of trust the yes everything Yep. yes
2: yes how is the rest of your family doing they're doing they're doing well my husband is doing well he's going to start teaching soon. His really, so he started teaching JROTC. He, he retired from the military after 24 years and became our JROTC instructor in January of this year. And so okay. he only got to actually teach and work for a couple of months before oh, yes. we were out for COVID leave. And so he's, he's anxious to get back in the classroom and, and teach again. And my daughters are doing well. They're ready to also get back to school and get back to normal. And they are grieving. They are grieving deeply. But they're doing well. They're managing Mm -hmm. and they're happy. It's something that we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives and figuring that out and trying to help them the best way I can. Mm
1: -hmm. And do you feel like you're able to talk about their grief and talk about Caleb and be pretty open about that still?
2: Yes, we do, especially with my older daughter. I can. She is a more quiet griever. She kind of keeps it to herself more. So I kind of have to dig it out of her sometimes Mm -hmm. and then she'll open up more. But my younger daughter, she unfortunately saw Caleb that night. She was with my husband and she has had a little bit of obviously a harder time. But she doesn't mm-hmm. know how to grieve.
1: Yeah, she's young yet.
2: She's seven. And mm-hmm. so she doesn't She doesn't know what to do with those thoughts and those emotions. And so she is starting to share more memories. She is willing to talk about him more and share memories more often than she was in the beginning. She opens up more to my daughter than she does to me because she doesn't like to see me upset. But mm-hmm. I told her that it's okay and that I cry because I'm sad because I miss Caleb and I love him very much and it's okay that I cry but she mm-hmm. still has a hard time with it and I, I feel like she doesn't think she can really open up and talk to me a lot because she doesn't want to upset me but that's Kids something do that, that
1: they yeah. really try to protect us protect yes their she
2: does mm-hmm. like one instance like just the other night, I think the night before last I went into her room and I actually called her Caleb. I mean, I was about, I was telling her to, you know, to do something like pick up her wet towel or something. And I said, okay. And then her eyes just went really big and she just went really kind of somber and her countenance changed. And I said, Oh my goodness, I just called you Caleb. And she just kind yeah. of half-hearted smiled and was really nervous about what was going to happen next. But I just went to her and I hugged her and I said, it's okay. Mommy did that when Caleb was here. And I still yeah, will do that now sometimes. And, you know, she just gave me a big hug. And I could tell that she was just really nervous about how I was going to react after that. She's very protective of me. But she is afraid to talk about it and share her experience, which we're working on and we're going to get there with her. But she told my daughter that she thinks about Caleb that day sometimes and she remembers and then she cries, but she, she says she does it by herself because she doesn't want to make anybody upset. So we're, we're working with her and she has a therapist as well. And um, I'm still in therapy too. So we're all just trying to manage the best we can and just do the next right thing every day. Yeah.
1: I know kids are so much like that. They want to make us be okay it seems like it's helpful for kids and for even other people because i have found that if they bring up andy and i start to cry then they just always apologize yeah <laughs> oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and yeah I, I always like to say you know i'm sad all the time right i'm mm-hmm. always this sad you are not going to make me more sad exactly by talking about andy so you know, you're not going to get more sad by talking about Caleb. It brings the emotions maybe up more towards right. the surface. So mm-hmm. other people now see you crying. Yeah. But it's not at all making you more sad. So I no. I think that's such a good thing to try to share with people that we like to talk about our loved ones. We yes. like that. It makes us feel better to talk mm-hmm. about them, not worse. Even when you see the tears come, mm-hmm. it does not mean... anything bad. So
2: yeah, everyone that's, that's around me. They know that I, I mean, I talk about Caleb every day. I'll, I'll bring him into the conversation. I'll share a memory or I'll share, you know, how he was when he was a kid or little and different things, which makes people talk about him. Mm -hmm. If they hear me talking about him, then they know it's okay that they talk about him. And so he's not forgotten and he's still a part of the conversation and he's still present with us. I had a birthday party for him and we had a big pool party. And that day I just felt his presence so strongly that at one point I just was like, where's Caleb? Because all his friends were there and we were just having this pool party and celebrating him. And I just had that feeling like, where is he? And for a second, everything felt right. Yeah. And then the next second. second is like, oh yeah, you know, he's not here. But he, he was there in so many ways, and it was a great day of celebrating his life. So I wanted
1: to share one thing, too. I reached out to people asking to share memories of Andy, and I asked his best friend's mom to just ask to share a memory, and mm-hmm. he instead shared a different story that I I'm just going to share here okay <laughs> he said he woke up one morning and just recently a couple of months ago and he looked out the back in the backyard and there 10 feet away from his window was an owl and he had never seen an owl in his whole life so he got he woke his brother up to go see the owl they both saw the owl. <laughs> We went to tell the parents about the owl. Now the owl's gone, and the parents are saying, are you sure it was an owl? You know, we have that stone one in the backyard. Are you sure you didn't see that? Uh He's like, no, I saw an owl. There was an owl right there in the middle of the day in the yard. And he went to his friend's house later in the day, and the friend's mom said, well, do you know what seeing an owl means? He said, no, what? And he, she said, well, when you see an owl, it means the spirit of someone that you love is watching over you. Mm-hmm. And he said he thought about that for a second, but then he thought, no, I think I probably just saw an owl. There's probably nothing. To yeah. Him. He went he told his parents that. They both were like, oh, OK. The next day he goes off to soccer practice or some sports practice and he comes home and goes around to the backyard, and there sits the same exact owl. Wow. 10 feet away from him. And he immediately thought, That is Andy. Mm-hmm. That is a sign from Andy that he is watching over me right now, and he mm-hmm. will watch over me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because Andy was a very special friend. Andy had shared his faith with him. And mm-hmm. anyway, it was very special to him. And he wrote that to me that he feels like he now knows that Andy will be watching over him for the rest of his life. And he's not seen the owl since. (laughs) And I don't know that he'll ever see the owl again. But at least it made him really think of Andy. And it was a beautiful story for me to read on the two year anniversary of his death. Yeah, to have something like that special happen to one of his friends.
2: That's a great memory.
1: Yeah, and it is, it is, right? I mean, I was hoping, originally when I asked that, I was like, I was hoping for some school memory or something from their soccer team together Mm -hmm. or something like that. But Mm -hmm. honestly, this was so much more precious to me. Yeah,
2: that is. Caleb's friends have really rallied around us as a family Mm -hmm. and stepped in to be a big brother to my daughters. That's beautiful. They come around all the time. They eat our food, they open up the fridge, and they get their drinks, and they hang out with the girls, and they play games, and they take them out for ice cream, and they have just been very special to us, and my girls have 11, 12, 13 big brothers now, and they still get to be a friend to Caleb by taking care of his family, so they have become very special to us, and when they come over, we get to hear that boy noise. And we get yeah. to smell that boy smell and we get to hear all the jokes and all the craziness going on and the loudness and the laughing and everything. And we love it. We miss him. We we miss seeing our boy in the mix with them. Yeah. But having them here don't. really helps our hearts.
1: Well, that's a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing they can do for you. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing again with us and telling us about Caleb Cares. I think that is going to be an amazing project for you to be able to do with Caleb Mm -hmm. and a wonderful part of your healing.
2: Yes, for sure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy@andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage andysmom.com for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.